It's always like the ugly people are the best players. What's your name? Michael Bantazis. I'm from the north side of Chicago. I played football at Solomon High School. I played defense, offense. I got great hands. I played football my whole life. I love it, baby. You got a Super Bowl ring. That you, you probably won't say it again. I bet I do. Okay. Chris? When the kitchen got hot, my hamstring was hurting. All right, welcome to the Back Judge Podcast. I'm Adam, along with Lee in Ann Arbor. Lee, how's it going? Doing well, man. Got Good. a little rain today, but, but I'm hanging in there. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a special edition of the Back Judge Podcast today. We're, we're joined by Daniel Kelly. Uh, he's a former scout with the New York Jets. Uh, he just wrote a book called Whatever It Takes, The True Story of a Fan Making It to the NFL. Uh, Daniel, we're happy to have you. Hey, glad to be on the show, Adam and Lee. Uh, how are you guys doing today? We're, we're doing, doing great. fantastic. Thanks for reaching out. I just want to say personally that we, uh, we really appreciate that and we love uh, getting other folks involved on the podcast. Absolutely. Thank you so much for saying that. And thank you, uh, Lee and Adam, for having me on. I really appreciate it. It's a special opportunity for sure. I, I really love being on your guys' show. Uh, Dan, if you can just start off, just kind of give us the background just on your story in general. Well, I, I grew up uh, in Minnesota, a, a huge fan of the, of the Washington Redskins. That's right. I'll still, still, still say that name. <laughs> uh, but uh, And uh, up in Minnesota there. And, uh, you know, from the time I was eight years old, had a tremendous passion for football. Never got big enough to play. You know, no matter how many, you know, large pizzas I ate, I never could get past the bucky. <laughs> so uh, my parents finally let me uh, talk. My parents would let me play when I was a junior in high school. I absolutely, absolutely was terrible at it. I, I actually was the, uh, I played left bench. That was the, uh, the position I played adamantly. Uh, I was the only kid on my team, uh, not the letter, did not get a letter jacket. I didn't have enough playing time, even, even to get a letter. Uh, oh, so barely, barely passed. <laughs> That's what makes this That's start. Brutal. They got to so, give you one for the commitment, right? Yeah, absolutely. Maybe an honorary one or something. Maybe exactly. by, uh, by class reunion. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, it, it was just something I had this tremendous burning passion for football inside of me. I was like, you know, when I was 16 years old, I, I, I sent a, um, a play suggestion into Joe Gibbs, the uh, no Hall of Fame coach from the Redskins. And he actually used my play and it worked for a touchdown in a preseason game against the Atlanta Falcons in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Wow. And he wrote me a letter back so I can prove it. It's in my book, whatever it takes. Uh, so it's not just me saying that. <laughs> but, That's uh, awesome. What was the play? Uh, the play was, uh, do you guys remember the counter gap, the counter trade play at all? With, with sure. The backside, yeah. right? Right, with the backside tackle on guard, make that pulling action. Of course, that was Joe Gibbs' bread and butter play. With John Riggins, he would have big Joe Jacoby and Russ Grimm, you know, backside. You know, Riggins would take that counter step to the left, the back of a backside guard would pull. And, of course, in that one step in misdirection, you know, brought the linebacker and the safety up just enough to have that one step counter step to the right. Riggins would take the ball, and, of course, he would go up, up that side. And, um, you know, so that, that was the play. Well, my play suggestion was to line up the uh, Redskins posse, the, uh, the receivers they had at the time, Gary Clark, Ricky Sanders, Art Monk, and then put Ricky Sanders in the backside post you know, on, on the slot. And so what happened is they did that whole motion, basically, and they went play action. Instead of running the counter gap, they play action off, which was my idea. So you had all the same action. The safety, of course, he's seen this in film. He comes running, screaming up, thinking it's a run, right? Well, Ricky Sanders goes one-on-one -on -one coverage, backside post. They play action. They, they can tuck the ball behind the hip. And all of a sudden, Ricky Sanders is in the clear for a touchdown. A little bootleg action, eh? <laughs> 
absolutely. All right. <laughs> you tuck that, tuck that ball behind the hip, look inconspicuous, and then boom, it's That's, right there. The birds are playing notes to football. <laughs> the That's incredible. Uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. So that was my big, big deal when I was 17. And then I, you know, I, I wanted to do something with football, but I didn't know what it was going to be. And I heard this, and there was nothing on scouting guys back when I came up. I mean, everyone was still, you know, there was no internet even back in the day, believe it or not, everybody still had corded bones. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. so it was, it was something where uh, I heard of this book called Tony Rosano's Secrets of NFL Scout. I don't know if you guys ever remember Tony Rosano or heard of the book. No. A, time ago. a little before our time, probably, I think. Great. Now you're making me feel old. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome guys hey kudos but but um no so so this book comes out and tony rosano is the scouting director of the san francisco 49ers under bill walsh and this is the guy that that convinced bill walsh to draft joe montana when bill walsh wanted to draft a guy named steve dills steve who you know what i mean <laughs> yeah seriously so this guy was the scouting director, and he wrote this book. I asked my parents for it for my 17th birthday. They gave it to me. I couldn't put it down. I said, this is what I want to be. I want to be an NFL scout. So I started taping all sorts of games off TV, writing scout reports, tried to get it with Charlie Castley, the Redskins general manager at the time. He said, hey, give it a little bit more, a few more years, get into college first, whatnot. Barely passed through high school because I was so committed to scouting and football. I mean, I was getting the high school typing class, you know, typing up scout reports, right? I didn't even do my homework. <laughs> you know, so I was, I, I wanted to be in football. I was a kid in math class that, you know, always had the sports page tucked underneath my math book. You know, so, so I barely passed through high school, uh, went into a small community college, dropped out. And uh, my parents said, you know, they gave me the military or, or you know, college ultimatum. I, I went into college for a little bit of time basically major in playing pool in the, in the game room, did cut class all the time. <laughs> I was that kid, right? And so, so uh, you know, I'm working at Allstate Insurance at 20, 21 years old, and all of a sudden uh, I'm telemarketing for insurance states, and all of a sudden up in Minneapolis, it's called KFEN Radio. You guys have a sports radio show there, like a station? Yep, the ticket in Detroit, oh. yep. Yeah, there you go. So all of a sudden they said, you know, first 32 callers call in. You can bring a, bring a friend, come out to the Minnesota Vikings headquarters. Uh, represent a team on the air in a mock draft. Uh, of course, I had nine open phone lines. I was telemarketing for insurance things, right? <laughs> <laughs> so all of a sudden, I dial, you know, speed dial all nine lines. All of a sudden, congratulations, you're the second caller. You're going to represent the Jacksonville Jaguars on the air. Uh, bring a friend, come into the Minnesota Vikings headquarters. So, you know, long story short, I went in there, took all my scout reports I had done for the Redskins, you know, for Charlie Cashley trying to get an internship. And I was scared to death, believe it or not. It doesn't sound like it on this, this broadcast, but I was scared to death of public speaking back in the day. <laughs> and so, so they, uh, you know, all of a sudden, you know, just like the commissioner, you know, when he says, uh, you know, I, I walked, walked up to the microphone and the commissioner says, um, you know, with the uh, second pick in the 1995 draft, the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars select, and I stood, stood up, I said, Tony Boselli, offensive tackle USC, right? You know, the corner of my eye, all of a sudden I could see Tony Dungy back when, you know, he was the defense coordinator of the Minnesota Vikings. And all of a sudden I went up to him, I said, hey, Coach Dungy, would you mind taking a look at some of my work? And he said, you know what? He looked at for about 15 minutes. He said, this stuff is pretty good. I, I think I want to invite you back to my office next week. And so that turned out to be a six-month unpaid internship with the Minnesota Vikings. And went in to see Coach Dungy every week. Incredible experience. He left for Tampa. I went back into the real world, selling Kirby vacuum cleaners door to door. <laughs> you know, all that guy's stuff. And uh, and I was 24 years old. And, and, and really, guys, I don't know if our listeners or anybody's ever gotten to this point, but I was like, you know, what are you guys? I mean, well, what am I doing here? 
my mm-hmm. dream was to be an NFL scout. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden I was sitting in this real estate law meeting and all these ideas started popping in my head. Hey, listen, you got a little satellite dish. You got, you can stop at Target, buy some pens and paper. Uh, you call DirecTV, subscribe to the college football package. And so I did all those things. And I started just recording games off, off the satellite. And that turned in one thing led to another. Before you know it, I was, uh, I was writing scouting reports. I was working at the bank all day as a loan officer. I was writing these scouting reports. Well, heck, I had a stack of, you know, and one night I took a break about two o'clock in the morning to get pizza rolls, right? And all of a sudden I, I'm, I'm watching this special on TV and, and it's about Wayne Kerbet. You guys remember that little receiver? The jet. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you remember him? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, of course. So, yeah, absolutely. So I'm watching this special and it talks about how his dad helped try to get his son an opportunity by sending out his highlight tape to all teams in the league. I'm in this little rundown duplex in Northeast Minneapolis. It's a really bad part of town. And I'm watching this special. And all of a sudden I said, that's it. It was like one of those moments, like the cartoon, right? Where the light bulb goes off above the head and the, the, the little epiphany. <laughs> and, and I said, this is it. I've got to try to get with all the teams in the NFL. So I went to the bank the next day, told my buddy my idea. He said, you know what? Why don't you try to get your work published? I said, how do you do that? He started, started calling publishers. So I started calling publishers. And one guy liked my, my idea. And he said, guess what? It's going to take about 85,000 sheets of paper, which is the equivalency of three trees. And we'll, we'll, you know, we'll get this book going for you. So I, I, it was $2,300 for the project and my own money, which was my next two paychecks and all the money I had saved. I basically put together this book over eight months. And it basically was a 350-page book that uh, was my resume that I sent three copies out to every team in the NFL. And that's when the call came from the Jets. Wow. That, that's incredible. Did you, um, when you were like sending out these resumes, did you reference the fact that you had worked for Tony Dungy or did that come up at all in the, uh, in the process of you trying to get a job? I did mention that in my, in my portfolio. Like I had a little, mm-hmm. like a, like a little pack of information to go along with my uh, 1998 NFL draft report. I did leave. Yeah, I, yeah. I absolutely did mention I had worked with Tony. And interestingly enough, Tony Dungy, actually my, the guy that interviewed me, my boss's boss was Dick Haley with the Jets. And he was the uh, former architect of the Pittsburgh Steelers dynasty back in the 70s. And interesting enough, he had drafted Tony Dungy back with the Steelers back in the 70s. Wow. Very yeah, cool. interesting. Small world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so once your world is very small, right? It, yeah. Yeah. So once you're a, a scout with, with the Jets, like what was your general job? Are you area scout, general, like pro personnel guy, college? What are you doing? Yeah, they brought me in, Adam, as a pro personnel assistant which means I did everything from uh, get chicken wings for the coaches for game planning night, which let me tell you something, it's a lot of chicken wings. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I did that. I, I, I uh, you know, just did anything they asked me to do. It's kind of like everybody at the Jets came up the hard way. And when I say came up the hard way, I mean, guys like Eric Mangini started the Cleveland Browns. He was an equipment intern. You know, they did whatever, you know, he did whatever they asked him to do. Scott Pioli, my boss with the Jets, uh, who went on to become NFL executive decade with the Patriots. He started out as a grunt with the Browns. Uh, Mike Tannenbaum, same thing, started with the Browns. You know, all these guys who worked under Village Jet came up the hard way. So it was a little bit of everything, really, Adam. It was gathering. I didn't go on the road. They, they didn't, you know, they just put me in a room with no windows and no clock, and they had me gather information from sun up to sundown. And, uh, you know, one of my major uh, you know, roles was to just put information into the computer system 
Uh, my boss, Scott Pioli, what he, who's uh, Bill Parcell's son-in-law, what he would do is he would bring in a stack of like papers every day, which summarized every newspaper in the country. And he would like, if there was any pertinent information whatsoever, let's say a guy got a DWI, somebody pulled a hamstring, somebody, somebody ran, you know, you know, sped away from the cops, whatever happened that was going in the system. So I compiled all the information on all the players in the NFL. Plus I maintained all the boards, like the free agency boards on the walls, all the boards, the rosters. Bill Parcells used to have a saying, one wrong, all wrong. So I had to make sure that was perfect all the time. Maintained the film library, did a little bit of advanced scouting, you know, as I got going in the thing, uh, answered the phones for the secretary when she went on lunch. Uh, you name it, I did it. Basically, uh, take Bill Parcells, watch the jewelry shop to get fixed, whatever they asked me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's the name of the game, making yourself, uh, uh, you know, valuable and, and bringing value to multiple positions. I got a quick question for you on the evaluation side, just out of curiosity. I think it's so awesome that you basically just came up from recording college games. I want to know, like, early on, what did you look for? What basically separated players when you were evaluating them? And if you want to make it even more specific, like a quarterback, for example, what gave you the uh, kind of the influence that, that, that you know, you, you knew how to scout quarterbacks and, and, and basically what were you looking for when you were scouting quarterbacks um, as, as a young, you know, kid coming up? Sure, absolutely. Great, great question, Lee. I was looking for heart. I was looking for guys that had a tremendous leadership ability, had a strong arm, and guys were decisive in the pocket. Guys were decisive with the ball and they could stand in the pocket and have poise. They didn't feel the rush. They just stood in there. They had toughness. They had poise. They were able to fire downfield and, and stay laser focused on the target downfield, no matter what was going on around them. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Very yeah, cool. Question. Thank you. And uh, when it came to this last draft, do you still uh, stay up to date with the prospects and, and maybe not make scouting reports on every single player, but at least stay, try to stay as informed as you possibly can on the players coming out of college and in the upcoming draft every year? I do a little bit. This last year was a little bit different situation because last September I got a phone call out of the blue from Bruce Allen, the president of the Washington Redskins. He mm. came across my book and I was literally sitting in bed with my wife watching reality TV. Right? And my phone went off and I looked at it. It said 703-726-7000. This was last September. And I said, you know what? That looks like Virginia. And all of a sudden I answered the phone and he said, is this Daniel? And I said, it is. He goes, this is Bruce Allen, president of the Washington Redskins. How are you doing today? <laughs> and I'm wow. sitting there, my, my boxers, you know, now I'm telling the world that, right? I said, my, I, I jumped out of bed. I looked at my wife. I, I thought it was one of my friends playing a prank on me or something, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, wow. you know, he, says, he said, listen, I, I got your book, whatever it takes. And I just had to call you. I had to talk to you. How are you doing today? I'm like, great. How are you doing, sir? And so to answer your question, that turned to me going out to Washington last October for an hour and a half interview with the Redskins. Uh, this whole last uh, fall, I spent eight or nine weeks basically uh, writing a 50 to 70 page advanced scouting reports on all the Redskins upcoming opponents. So, so to your point, Lee, I wasn't able to focus on the NFL draft this mm. year per se, because I was spending between 70 and 90 hours a week writing up every one of the Redskins upcoming opponents as wow. my audition for the job. And they were going to put me in a position, either coaching or scouting. We're all set to go to Washington. The interview went great. And of course, Black Monday comes and Bruce Allen gets fired after 10 years of being the president with the team. So, you know, it's almost like Kevin Dyson, one yard short on the end zone. I almost got my second chance, but hey, you got to keep, keep going for it, right? Keep counting. That's right. That's right. So, Daniel, are you still, you know, actively pursuing, you know, stuff in the NFL still? 
Absolutely, Adam. Yeah, absolutely. Whenever the opportunities come up, I mean, since I've been on the league in 2002, uh, I was there with Parcells and Bilicek and all those guys. Uh, you know, since then, I, I had a chance maybe to do something with the Cardinals in 2006. That fell through. They were looking at me as the assistant pro director at that point. In 2012, I almost got hired by Andy Reid and the Philadelphia Eagles. 2017, I, I, I had a, a tremendous dream one night. And uh, I was a town manager of the Cleveland Browns in the dream. And I woke up and I sent a, uh, <laughs> I ended up, uh, say, I ended up sending a card to Jamie Haslam telling him I could put together a Hall of Fame staff within three weeks of giving the opportunity. Well, three weeks later, Jimmy Haslam responded on his personal stationery, hand signed, and he asked me, so you thank me for a copy of my book. And, and he asked me for my ideas. And so I actually put together another 166 proposal to become the town manager of the Cleveland Browns. And my wife, Samantha, and I, we actually flew from Phoenix Cleveland and walked in the front doors of the Cleveland Browns uninvited and asked the security guard if we could speak to the owner of the Cleveland Browns. You should have seen a look at his face. He didn't yeah. get that one in training. <laughs> I'm sure not. No, no. So to answer your question, long story short, absolutely. I'm still pursuing it. You know, whatever it takes is the name of my book. It, it, it's, kind of, it's kind of my mantra in life. Uh, whatever it takes, if, if another opportunity comes along, The Redskins Slings Live Show was a tremendous opportunity to work with those guys. Um, and, and in terms of like a moment in your career, I guess when you were you know just in the NFL, was there ever a moment where you're like that sticks out to you, whether it is with Tony Junji or or with the Jets, where it was kind of like I'm doing something that I'm really enjoying or this is surreal? Was there anything that sticks out to you when you look back? Yeah, now you're gonna make me tear up, Adam. <laughs> Uh, that's a great that that's a that's an ESPN question right there. Yep. That's awesome. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The Roy Firestone leaning in and, and everybody gets tears in their eyes, right? Okay, so I, I'm I'm uh, you know it's my first month in the job with the Jets and um, I, I'm I'm in the office and uh, you know I always kind of wondered you know what it'd be like to be Joe Gibbs. You know I grew up loving Joe Gibbs, following his career very closely. He used to sleep in the office three nights a week. Um, you know, I always kind of wonder what that'd be like to be like Joe Gibbs. And so the night before I left uh, the move back, I went back to Minnesota, moved my stuff back to New York. I stayed at the mini camps with rookies my first month in the, of my, the, the job with the Jets in the rookie dorms. And I said the last night before I left back to, you know, move my stuff back, I, I had a chance to uh, put together a project for Scott Pioli um, on all the best general managers in NFL history. And I ended up working all night on the project. I said, you know, this is pretty cool. I'm the only person in the Jets building. I'm sitting there, I'm putting this report together. It was probably, I got done around 5, 5.30 in the morning. The sun just started to come up. And I walked outside. And you know those big tackling dummies, those, those sleds, the offensive mm. line pushes around? You know, I looked at that thing, and, I, and I, 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 I lined up. And, of course, you know, I didn't make it move. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I ran into the thing, and I hit it. You know, and then I, I walked out to midfield and, um, you know, I looked at the goalposts, the bright yellow fluorescent goalposts, and I lined up for what in my mind would be a game-winning 50-yard field goal. And, uh, you know, I followed through and kicked it. And, and I was like, wow, I'm in the NFL. Yeah. You wow. Know, so that was like a moment that kind of hit me when I was on the practice field by myself, you know, my first month in the job, really. Surreal. It was. It really was. <laughs> Well, I really, uh, I just want to say for one that I, I think that whatever it takes attitude um, absolutely is the right one to have. And I'm really inspired and, and motivated by, uh, you know, 
just kind of that, you know, you find a lot of these successful guys in the, in the NFL, some of them do have ties and connections, but even the guys who have ties and connections really, um, they, they do whatever it takes. They find a way to get it done and they, they have that mentality. And it's the mentality that I think draws a lot of people to football specifically. So I just want to say that I do really appreciate that mentality and, and, and love, love having you on, uh, on the podcast. Awesome. Thank you, Lee. I really appreciate those kind words. Uh, absolutely. I completely agree with you. Thank you. And it, Daniel, I guess two things before, before I let you go. I guess first question is, do you have any big predictions for, for this upcoming season? Any Hopefully teams that you it. like? or Hopefully they'll play us <laughs> right, seriously. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Given that we don't even want to think about that. So no, just, we don't want to think about that. No. It's like it's like it's like this this uh, Cleveland Browns uh, show I was on on Friday. I happened to mention the Pittsburgh Steelers. He said, "Don't say that. That's like a swear word on here." I said, "I'm yeah. sorry." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, predictions. I, I I think we're going to. I I think Tampa Bay is going to sneak up on some people. I think Tom Brady's going to catch a second win down there. Um, I think they're putting together something special down there. Uh, for sure. I'm also very, uh, very curious to see what the, what, and I, and I know this is the wrong thing to say, maybe but Buffalo Bills. I'm kind of curious what the Bills do this season as well. Um, as a matter of fact, I, I recommended to Bruce Allen when they were talking about bringing a new head coach. And uh, I love Brian Dabo. I don't know if you guys, uh, okay. what you think of him. Yeah. What are your guys' thoughts about Brian? Obviously, uh, has been extremely successful at Alabama and now in Buffalo been doing some awesome things. We've just talked about it on the podcast before we, we find Josh Allen to be fairly limited as a passer. And there's a certain cap that the, the offense presents and that the defense has to make up for year after year, it seems. So I, I think the coaching staff, if I'm not mistaken, it's Dabble is the OC and then Leslie Frazier is the DC and you got McDermott as the head coach, great coaching staff in Buffalo. And I think that they're obviously going to be a very competitive team, but we definitely have our, our concerns about the quarterback there, Josh Allen. Yeah, that's, that's a great concern. Uh, the thing about Dabo to me is that he is the most outside the box, I think, uh, cutting-edge play caller in the NFL. I mean, they run so many different things up there. They are so incredibly unpredictable. So, you know, maybe Buffalo sneaks up on some people. Tampa Bay might sneak up on some people. And I think the Jets, the Jets are looking poised too, I think, in a lot of ways. Um, I love I love Darnold. I, I love. Yep. I, I, I absolutely, I'm a big Darnold fan. I think he's tremendously. Look at the smile. You guys can't see the smile on the airway. I'm, I'm a right, huge Darnold guy. I love hearing that. I was going to be my next question because he's in the ah, same see, draft class as hey, Josh Allen. Hey, we're vibing they, together. Since the USC days, I've really liked Darnold as a as a quarterback, and it's been a shame to see his progress kind of been hindered by whether it be mono or the somewhat incompetence of the, of the coaching staff in New York and their inability to get an offensive line or even weapons around him. So I think you make a great point that out of any year in his career, this would be the year that they would be most poised to succeed after being fairly disappointing last year. So I love that you're bringing that up. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Lee. Yeah, Dar Darnold, I love him. Uh, you know, I think he's got great maturity and poise as a quarterback. I, I, I love the, uh, the running back, Le'Veon Bell. Uh, to me, he reminds me a lot of Clinton Portis. I, I love uh, Jamison Crowder, the receiver. I think he's a great pickup. Um, I, I love the, the Noah Nickelback, Brian Poole. Uh, to me, he, I give him a blue chip grade when I did the report for Bruce Allen. I, I love the toughness at corner, and, and I love your guys' safety. I mean, Adams is 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 the real is the real is the truth, really. I mean, so you guys kind of got that nucleus built down the middle. Uh, that really make some noise. And uh, I think you guys, uh, you know, if you catch the right breaks, I think you guys could be poised to make some noise in that division for sure. Any thoughts on right the on. Lions? The Lions, hey, I love the Lions. I, I see the hat, Lee. I, yep. I see the hat. I, restore the roar, man. Yep. I, I, yep. The Lions. 
You know, to restore me, the restore the roar. Absolutely, I remember watching lines back in the Pontiac Silverdome way back in the day with oh, Barry yeah. Sanders and Eric oh, Kramer. Yeah, right. and, oh yeah, I remember going all the way back to uh, uh, you know all those days, Wayne Fonts, all the guys. But but uh, you know, the Lions to me, I I think Coach Patricia has done a fantastic job instilling toughness in that team. They are a very mentally tough team. They are a very disciplined team. You can definitely see the traces of Bill Belichick show up on that team. The defensive back play seems very sound. I, I love the special teams because I did a Detroit Lions advance report for Bruce Allen last year with, with the Skins. And to mm-hmm. me, they had the best special teams I had seen of any team in the NFL. They all hustle. They all bang. They all hit. And you don't get that on every special team. So if you have great special teams, they go help you control the field position. And, you know, the quarterback sound, you know, he comes back from the injury. Uh, I, I like everything that Detroit's doing. I, I really think that they could really sneak up on the division and possibly win it. Wow. Well, that's good to hear. Those, those are, uh, yeah, those are comforting <laughs> words for, for us over here in, in, in Michigan. Yeah, absolutely. And that defensive end, that Flowers kid, I, I love him too. I, I think he's, he's the truth coming off the edge. Right on. Alrighty, guys, I cut out of my Zoom there. Classic uh, at-home Wi-Fi issues. But uh, that was pretty much the end of the interview. It was uh, great talking with Daniel. Again, uh, his book is called Whatever It Takes, The True Story of a Fan Making It to the NFL. You can go on Amazon or Barnes & Noble and order it. Um, thanks for listening, guys. <laughs>